Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, Mike, is a driver, but he doesn't go fast and turn left. Oh, he must be a road course specialist, right? Is he? Well, maybe. He drives the NASCAR team hauler, those big, beautiful rigs that transport millions of dollars in equipment from track to track all across America. Back in the day, he drove for the Allen Kowicki race team, including when Allen won the NASCAR championship. He also took that memorable lap around Bristol Motor Speedway the day after Kowicki was killed in a tragic plane crash. He drove the hauler for Joe Gibbs racing for several years, was the gas man, on the number 18 Bobby Labonte car, as well as other responsibilities at Gibbs. He's an outdoorsman. He's a family man. He knows his way around the barbecue grill, and I know this because he was my neighbor for many years in Harrisburg, North Carolina, where he still resides. He's known in the NASCAR garage as Peter Rabbit. Peter Jellin joins us on the podcast. Hi, Peter. Say hi to Mike Wallace. 
Hi, Mike Wallace. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I always love Peter. He's so locked of energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he, he's like the, he is like the Energizer Bunny. That's it's showtime. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the drum, though. No drum, no drum, no drum. Oh, that would have been you ideal, You can't drive the though. truck and have the drum. So, Come on. Yeah, you got to be able to beat your own drum, Peter. Come on. Yeah, well, yeah. well I, I try to do the best I can. So, guys, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. Good. How you guys doing? All right? We're doing great. Doing well, Peter. Sounds like you're as energetic as always. Yeah, well, I try to be. I mean, I got up this morning, so that's the best thing you're going to get right there. So we're doing good. We're doing and, good. And as well, I recall, you get up early. Here's a guy, no kidding. Yeah, so. so yeah, five o'clock. It's five o'clock every morning, yep. So we're never, but even on a weekend where you're not working, right? I'd be laying in bed, you know, what time's the sun come up? 6.30? And I hear his damn tractor out there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, well, good Lord, Peter. He, he's a farmer, did you, man. Did you give us till, I don't know, 9.30, 10 o'clock, something yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, the day's over by 9 o'clock, okay? No. Okay, you got to get... Yeah, I, I'm a morning guy. I'll say sorry. So I'm sorry. I ruin so every I'll day of my life, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I am well, not. I am the I'm the absolute opposite of morning. Yeah, I know. That's, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, well, someone's got to take care of the morning and someone's take care of the night. So we're good to go. I'll good take go. the night shift. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we're, yeah, I'll take the morning. Yep. <laughs> you got the morning. I'll take the, I'll take the evening, late, late, late shift. Happy hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, Peter, good. you know, as uh, I think I told you a little bit before, but I'll say it now. You know, our whole world is listening to you today, and they're they're wanting to know who you are, where you came from. Your name's so famous in the race world uh, as uh, just one of the legendary names uh, in, in racing. And, you know, a lot of times there's not enough credit, Jeff, given to the truck drivers. Oh, no. I mean, it's an important gig. Yeah. And it's not all they do either. So we'll get into all that as yeah, well. Yeah, and uh, everybody thinks the cars just magically appear at the racetrack, you know, and no, it's pe people like Peter that get it there and they drive two, 3000 miles, like all this West coast stuff back and forth for the last three weeks. But, right. uh, Peter handles that. We're going to get him to tell us all about it, but I'm going to start current. Then I'm going to back up. It's odd. You know, we normally don't do it this way, but Peter, you did, you and Kyle Bush and, uh, Brian Patty just won two weeks ago out in Las Vegas. That had to feel yeah, good again. It, it was awesome. It was, well, good for, good for Kyle. Great for, for great for Brian. Great for Brian. Great, great guy. Uh, yes, it's awesome. Just yeah, to have that win just happen so quick. So, and I hope there's gonna be more. So yeah, it just it's you're right. It's just uh, neat, neat to have that happen. That magic happen so quick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was looking at the picture, and it pops up. There's a picture in Victory Lane, and I'm picking out smiles. And whether you know it or not, you got the best smile of anybody in the whole Victory Lane <laughs> photo there. <laughs> well, well, you know, but you work so hard for. And guys, you know this. You know, and Mike, you know. Well, though Jeff said it, it just is so. It's so hard to win any race. I don't care what division you are. I don't care if it's late models, street stocks, local racing, and the high high NASCAR you know, Cup division. They're hard to come by. So you take them when you can get them, and when you get them, you got 15 minutes of fame, and you take it. You got your hat, dance, you got a few pictures, and then it's work after that. So you just you grab it when you can because you don't know when your next one's going to be. You really don't. It's hard to win. Yeah. Well, well, take the hard, the, the, hard, the hard to win. Yes. We talked yes. about we talked about some of the things you've done in your career, Peter, in the in the intro. But bring us up to speed. You're you're at Kyle Busch Motorsports, and are you driving the hauler for for the truck teams? Yes, yes. I'm on the 51 car. I'm on. The, I'm. A, I, I hate to say this. I, everybody laughs at me. I'm on the Misfit team. We're on the on the we're on the the, the, the All Star team, the Misfit team. Yeah, there there's there's the Gamebridge team on the two car, and there there's the other team on the four car with the uh, Bama buggies. 
They're, but where I'm the one that has the different drivers, and Kyle drives me so often. So yeah, so I, I've been on, and I kind of like that because we're we're trophy hunting. Okay, I know I know the the college team says that, so we're trophy hunting. So I've won championships, I've won races, but it's fun to win. It, now now it's just fun because you just go out there and do the best you can, and whatever happens happens. But to have different drivers, different people, and having Kyle with us, having Kyle around is just Kyle's a great guy. He really is. Having him around is fun. Having different drivers is fun, so you just you just take take what it comes. And but having Kyle, it's a he's a great team to work for a truck team. I couldn't ask for no more. So what are your responsibilities on the team other than driving the hauler and getting the stuff out there? Oh my God, it's 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 a lot. You know, we 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 take cars to the wind tunnel, we take cars to the chassis tunnel, we take cars to the body hangers. We take I got to go ride guard parts. It's not just me. I got there's two other truck drivers that do the same thing. We rotate. Hey, what are you doing today? I got to go get parts today. Okay, I'll, I'll go to the wind tunnel. Okay, I'll go to the chassis tunnel. Hey, I'll go pick up gears. Hey, I'll do this. Um, we cook. We clean. We wash the truck. We we, we coordinate. Like, we're going to go to Texas in the next couple weeks, and we're going to be gone for two weeks. Going to go to Coda and to uh, Fort Worth. We're not coming back. You know, Kyle's going to bring a truck out there and let us rotate stuff out, which we've never done that before. So, just just – all you know, uniforms to to you know pit guns to uh, pit boxes to nitrogen bottles. There's just so many little nuts, bolts. Uh, hate to say it, Twinkies and cupcakes. To <laughs> to we're, we're, well, I talked to my I talked to Tracy today on the other truck on the on the two truck. Hey, what do you do for lunch? You know, because there's just so many different things that you got to deal with. And and Mike and you know that it's just it's just hey, make sure you got a pair of gloves for the guys to make sure they got their the. the Nitro bottle runs on a pit road. It's it's big, you know. So there's so many different things that you got to take care of. And on top of, hey, you got to take care of the truck. There's DOT. There's there's um, commercial stuff. Your your licensed uh, uh, all the permits. So there's so many different things you got to take care of throughout the day or just the course of the week, just to make that all happen for that particular weekend. And like Mike said earlier, there's so many things that behind the scenes that people don't see that. You know, it takes Kyle Bush and all these other owners and crew chiefs and, and Patty and all the other guys to make it all happen because it takes so many different avenues to make to go down that one road, if that makes sense. It does, Peter. But in some of the things, and we're going to get to back to early in your career shortly, but I'm kind of intrigued by this and how Jeff said it. So you're out on the road and you just mentioned you're going to leave for two weeks and, uh, you know, you're going to go race. Help. The average race fan understand, you know, we see race teams show up on race day, their pit crew, everything's looking pristine, their uniforms are clean, everything's beautiful. So what happens when you're gone for two weeks and you've just raced on a Friday night and you got to ne- w- race next Friday night, but the guys made a mess of the over-the-wall crew <laughs> uniforms. <laughs> what do you do with that? How do you get those babies okay. cleaned up while you're out okay. on the road? Okay. Well, first of all, it, it, it starts. It starts with the owner. It really does. It starts with the owners and management. They have to be very vigilant on saying, "Hey, you've got to be. They got to. They got to be open-minded about the stuff." So what we do, okay, we deal with the cleaners. We deal with the 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 wash guys. We have, you know, but it starts with them guys to allow us to do that, you know, because they could say, "No, we're not. No, 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 no." But they are very open-minded because they understand. Hey, we we. Right, it's it's how how nice the clean uh, the clothes are, how nice the trucks look, how how the the pit crews the the, the equipment. So well, if the owner said, "Hey, we can't make this happen," well, that, it makes it harder to make it happen. But 
the owners have, have been very open-minded and say, hey, yeah, we got to make this happen. So the truck drivers, and once again, it's managers, it's truck drivers, it's it's car chiefs. It's So, yeah, you you, you, you plan ahead. You talk to the cleaning guys. You talk. I mean, we already talked to guys out in Texas already. We're talking, hey, we got to get these cleaners because not everybody just can do 65, uh, not 65, but uh, probably 25 or 30 uniforms for these guys, you know. Not everybody, you know, they could do a shirt or a tie, but they don't know how to do fire suits. You know what I'm saying? So you, you got you to gotta plan ahead. It's all about planning. It's all about management. It's the, it's the people upstairs. It's it's a front office. It's, it, it's not just me. It's just it's, it's a matter of everybody co- collaborating together to make it work. It, it, it's a team effort. When they say a team effort, it's a team effort. Unfortunately, the truck driver gets dumped on everything because it comes down to cleaning, polishing, clothes food but it but it really starts up front to really make it all happen if that makes sense do you get a little now and then from other team members or i guess to say society how it works that oh man you're just the truck driver you ever get that oh i get it all the time and it kind of it kind of hurts a little bit because like no it's more just a truck yes yeah you get yeah you're you're just a truck driver no there's a lot more i've worked at a motor shop i've worked i've done interior i've done underneath stuff i you know and there's some guys that's all they really do and but what happens is guys bring to what they can to the team and if it's that's all they can do that's fine if it's you can bring more yeah so but you guys kind of it kind of stinks when you hear yeah you're just a truck driver but yeah you need you more than a truck driver there's a lot more there because i i could tell you something what someone told me a long time ago would probably make it change everything but a well, certain well, go ahead driver, go ahead and tell the story man don't yeah. don't don't miss well Bobby Labonte told me a long time ago, he, when he was talking, and that same, that same subject come up, and Bobby Labonte said, hey, look, if I had one other person in me to do what I have to do to win a race, I'd let the truck driver do it. He says, because between me driving the, tr- driving the race car and the truck driver doing anything else, I want the truck driver. Because, and I'm not saying the truck driver can do everything, but the truck driver can do a lot of things that we do so many behind-the-scenes things that really, really, really helps a lot. But there's, but, but there's so many other people that help it. But the truck driver does a lot of un, un, un behind the scenes things that a lot of people don't see. Because you're right, there's a three hour window that the people see on TV, but there's so many other hours up and down the highway and behind the scenes that people don't see. And that's, but you know what? It's it's that's okay because that's what we do, and that's and we're okay with that. You and know? I but, promise you, that's something that the the average race fan has no idea. Oh, we, we don't, who, no, who, I, who thinks about stuff like that? Yeah, those unis always look great. They always look clean. Never thought of that. That truck never has a speck of dirt on it. Yeah, it's, never. And I uh, I think what's happened, to be honest with you guys, I uh, my son Matt and I have a little two truck truck and tractor trailer that we haul commercial freight with. Right. So I, I realized and I, I've learned over the last few years, all the I'll call it the, the government BS that goes on with having a tractor trailer. Oh, yeah. Oh, they charge you out the butt to go up and down the interstate. Every truck's got to pay five hundred and fifty dollars a year just to use the road, not counting all the well, I happen to know Pete, Peter has a they have a plan. These guys these to drive the NASCAR haulers, they have a plan for when they get pulled over by a trooper in any particular state. Isn't that right, Peter? You told me that story one time. You load the truck up with swag. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Jeff, Jeff don't, those things have changed. Those guys have retired and moved on. But no, but but the laws have changed. Right? No, but still, but if you're legal, if you're legal, you're legal. Okay. 
and if everything's cool, everything's cool. And you're, and you're right. Yeah, you a hat here and a postcard here it does go a long way. But, you know, but still, but you, but you got to be safe. You got to be, you because know, now things things have changed. The laws, like Mike said, the laws have changed. Uh, you, you've got to be careful. And you got to make sure that you're, you're you're protecting not only yourself, but the company, the team, and everything. All, and, and, of course, NASCAR and everything else along the way, you know. I heard something. There was a team I drove for, and there was one of the crew members. And you'll appreciate this, I believe, Peter. He was uh, he was running his mouth pretty good at the truck driver, <laughs> and I'm thinking this kid bitches about flying to the races. You know what I mean? He's, right. And yes, he sir. kept it up and kept it up. And I says, I, I says, hey, can I get in the middle of this for a second? I says, I know this isn't my war. I says, but instead of bitching about that, why don't you just ride home with him from Las <laughs> Vegas? Mm-hmm. And then when you get home, you tell us how bad it was versus the airplane trip you're bitching about that's going to take <laughs> four hours and the 28 hours it's taking him to get home. And tell me how that works when you get home. Well, I don't yeah. want nothing to do with that. As that. I think that's kind of the motive of, hey, why don't you be quiet and let the truck driver do his deal? <laughs> but, hey, we'll jump yeah. off the truck driver part. we got a few minutes left in this segment. I want sure, to go back. Sure. I want to go back way back in time before I ever— Oh, gosh. Before I ever knew you, knew anything about you, how did you ever get involved in uh, motorsports or even go to a race or think about a race? And where did that happen at? Oh, gosh. Well, I, I'm originally from Stafford Springs, Connecticut. Okay. The, half, the, the home of the half-mile asphalt track, which everybody should know, Stafford Motor Speedway. My parents' property boarded a speedway. And, of course, in Stafford, everybody had a street stock. And it wasn't a late model. It was a sportsman car. It was a Nova, a Chevrolet uh camaro it was a um chevelle and it had steel bumpers okay it's still bodies too so um i did that now you know, richie evans uh fred Desero, leo clary i mean those guys were my heroes so i started from stafford motor speedway so um i'm a modified guy way back when so that's where it started and my mom my brothers my sisters all took me and when i turned 16 i kept tur- i didn't watch the race i was looking in the pits and I was on the grandstands looking at everybody's freaking butts looking in the pits going, when I turn 16, that's where I want to be. And I'll tell you what, when I turn 16 on March 28th, which is coming up pretty soon. Happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> thank you. It's coming up. Thank, yeah, I won't tell you how. I'll be, I'll, verse 16 around, I'll tell you how old I am. Um, but I tell you, when I turned 16, I was able to get in that pits. I was in that pits, and I was hanging out with Richie Evans and Fred Desero and those guys. And But, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, and, I, and there was local guys that, I worked with, and I, I did whatever I could. I don't care what I could do, and I don't care what I did do. I just did whatever I could because I wanted to do it. You know what I'm saying? So um, a local group of guys, a, lo- a local guy, I mean, no money, you know, two guys, and I did whatever I could because I wanted to learn. And I just got to talk to people, learn from people, try to understand the business more, and it, one thing kind of led to another. And I got in the garage here, and I say in the garage here, the pit. At Stafford, and I went to Riverside. I went to Seekonk. I went to Monadnock. I went to uh, Waterford, Plainville, and I, I did whatever I could in the modifieds. I just wanted to learn what I could and Jeff, what what they would teach me. Jeff, he's talking you know? all those famous Northeast modified tracks. Well, right listen, there. I you remember it that that I am originally from New England. I don't tell that oh, to I most people. I was born in Massachusetts. We lived in Connecticut, uh, uh, Peter. We lived in uh, Newington, just outside of Hartford. Uh, yes, sir. We, we went to Riverside Park, but we didn't go to the racetrack. We went. To, it was an amusement park. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah but, hey, but if people ask me what my favorite racetrack is, and I'm telling you, to this day, in my father's grave, the best racetrack in the world is Riverside Park. 
That track, just the, 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 I could tell you things. The, 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 something about that racetrack, and I know everybody has their favorite racetrack, but that track was just so unique with the with the guys that I I could tell you, and I could say uh, Friday nights at Stafford, Rich Evans and Mike and me pulled up in a pickup truck and we hey, opened hey, the hang, and, hang on, Peter, I I just got to hit on Richie Evans for a second here. A lot okay. of people in today's world don't know who Richie Evans is. Right. Okay, uh, uh, they, well, us racers, they should. Us racers do. And yeah, that man. Richie, yeah. Richie unfortunately lost his life, but he was Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, all swirled together, and, and, and as and good some. as and, then, and then just unbelievable modified racer, Grand Am racer. Just, I just wanted to take a minute and give kudos yeah, to, to Richie Evans. It's nice yeah, that, to that, learn that, that about Richie. Let's take yeah. a break right here because it's time. And we'll come back and talk with Peter Jalen some more. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. On the line with us today, longtime NASCAR do-everything, Peter Rabbit. Peter <laughs> Jalen joins us. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Peter, we were talking about all those cool racetracks up in the Northeast, you know, Stafford, well, Riverside, Riverside, Riverside Park. I couldn't think Sea of Riverside Kong. Park. See, there you go. Yeah. All those great places. <laughs> so you were got old enough. You were 16. You finally got out from under the grandstands into the garage area, helping different teams and I, I helping or walking around. How did your kind of first involvement really touch in a race car? How did that come about? Well, you know, but, you know my, I, okay, I'm the youngest of five. Okay, real quick, I'm the youngest of five. I got two, I two older brothers, two older sisters. I'm the youngest of five. You know, my brother had a Chevelle. My brother had a Mustang and all this. That, and I, I don't want to be like my brothers, you know. And there was guys all over Stafford that had, you know, street stocks, late models. I'm not saying late models, uh, sportsman cars, modifieds. And I just, one guy just said, hey, I need some help. You know, you know, and that's how it works. I need some help. And that's how I got in with Wiki. I need some help. So long story short, yeah, I got to talking to this guy and I got talking to this guy and he got to know what I could do and can't do. And, you know, hey, come work for me. And one thing, you know, was I started working with the Gallo brothers, Doug and Daryl, um, on a 45 car. Mike Whedon was there. It was a uh, Kirby Monteith drove the car. Uh, Ray Miller drove the car. And it just you just learn from, you, just, you know, you don't have to you don't have to really. Uh, touch, you know, uh, experience is touching everything, but just learning and watching to be around, just to be around these, to be around these people that you touch your life, you know, that, that you, you learn from, you know, and, and, and that, and that's kind of how it was. One thing kind of led to another. And I just, I just like accepted that. And I just, I always, I was thirsty for that. I wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted to learn more. I didn't want to be the hero. I don't want to be the, the crew chief. I just wanted to be part of it, you know, and, and that's how it was. It was it was a local guy. He had no money. He was the one that gave me my first break. Jimmy Lyons was his name. Um, I hate to say a backmarker. He was the. He, I hate to say he probably finished last every week. But you know what? I respect him because he gave me my first break. You know, and everything just kind of evolved from that. But I never, I never forgot those guys because those are your stepping stones. You know what I'm saying? So sure. that's how it started. That's how it started. And then just one thing evolved. One thing evolved. I got to work on street stocks. I got to work on uh, sportsman cars, modifieds. Got to meet some like Eddie Flemke, Richie Evans, like I said, Fred Dizero. To be part, be around those guys, and just listen to what they had to say, and just just watch them. But I learned not just about racing, but I learned about life, people, 
just just things in general, just watching how the sport, what what the sport's about. You know, what I'm saying, that, and I respect that. You know, yeah. So after those days up there at uh, Stafford and places like that, what was your your break? If I could, I call it a break, an opportunity. How did you uh, leave Stafford Springs and and come to the southeast? How did that? Or what was the the steps after Stafford? All right, real quick. Uh, my brother, my older brother Stephen, he uh, he worked for a Ford dealership, a local do- uh, dealership, uh, small dealership. You know, there was you know probably sold ten cars a month, whatever. And he wanted to, he wanted to explore. He wanted to get out. So he moved to Columbia, South Carolina, and he kept telling me, you know, come on down, come down to Columbia, come down to Columbia. He, he worked for Fairway Ford in Columbia, and he's like, come on down, come on down. I, I you know, this it's cool down here. There's things, there's opportunities. And I kept saying, no, 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 you're you're crazy. Well, I was driving for a dump truck up there. I, I got laid off from the, the the milk company. I was driving for a milk milk company up there. And I got laid off, and I was driving for a dump truck, and I got laid off up there because, you know, it's it cold and nothing's moving. So I said, okay, I'll see what he's talking about. So I drove down to Columbia, South Carolina, and see what's going on, and I was really impressed what he showed me. And I was like, wow, what? well, at the time I was seeing my, my wife or my fiancé or my, you know, future wife, and she was still up in Connecticut, and I said, well, what about her? So we flew her down, checked things out. Well, in the process, I got a friend that I – went to school with and she lived in charlotte okay well her husband worked for hendrix and so we got to meet say hey you know uh judy's up here let's meet her and we got talking and of course we liked the area so my brother would like to be the big brother got his tickets to charlotte got us to the to the uh, uh sportsman race or whatever you call it, nationwide race or the bush race at the time whatever so we kept going back and forth from columbia to charlotte and i'm like i I like I like the Charlotte area better, you know. It's just the weather was nicer, the grass is greener. Um, it was just we just my wife and I kind of like, hey, let's check this out. So we decided, hey, let's just let's just move to Charlotte, and that's how it was. Well, long story short, answer your question. Across the street from the Speedway was a motorhome park, and we bought we bought a trailer in there, and I was driving a steel truck, and I drove a steel truck for I don't know maybe a year. And I got bored. I was done on my runs, and I'm like, I got, I got to find something to do. I can't own my grass so much. You can only whip a car so much. You can only do so much. And I, and Quickie was building shops, and of course, Rush was building uh, the dirt of a shop across the street. And Bobby Allison had, I call that calamity corner because it's a lot happened in that that area. Mm-hmm. And I knocked on the door one day, and I said, Hey, Alan. I says, Hey, you need any help? Because I was driving a steel truck, so I got to go to these different um, race shops along with the machine shops. And Alan was there one day, and I said, hey, Alan, you need any help? And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm moving my shop from Concord to Harrisburg. And he's, and so I, I just told him what I could do. And I went in there, I cleaned toilets, I wiped windows down. I, and I, did, I started from the bottom. I mopped floors. I, I, I cleaned up nut and bolt bins. I, I cleaned machines that came from the old shop to the new shop. I wiped everything down. I was just like, whatever. So Alan goes, what do you want for pay? And I'm like, Can, I don't know. What do you think? He goes, I'll let you have, I'll let you come to my open house. You know, Alan was come to my open house. Okay. So I said, so I went to Paul Andrews. I says, Paul, what's my future here at Alan Kawiki Racing? He goes, very good. So Alan goes, what do you want for pay? I says, get me into Charlotte. So he got me into the 600 and he got me to 600. So I kind of, he knew, I knew I, my way around a race car a little bit. I, of course I didn't touch nothing, but I was just kind of doing whatever. And Alan liked what I saw. And the next week, I was going to Dover in a van and helping bring the truck back. So 
I owe a lot to Paul and Allen because they, they, so that, that's how it started. You know, it was boredom. It was, we moved, it was, but my racing knowledge kept me in the loop, if that makes sense. Okay, I still want to know, though, because you intrigued me. So what was the first paycheck? How much was the first paycheck? Because <laughs> it's always been all over the board. It's always some ridiculously low number, you know. So Okay, okay. all right. And I, I, I'll be honest with you. My first paycheck with Allen was 400 bucks gross. That was it. That was gross. That was before taxes, all stuff. Alan paid me four hundred bucks a week. Yeah. And I and I thought I was making a cause, but but he but he 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 pushed me over the edge. But it was Paul. It was Tony. It was Danny. It was all them guys going. Hey, we we because see what happened was I was when I was working part time, I was helping out drive the truck home because Kenneth Lankford went to Junior's new team. You know the Maxwell's team. Because okay. I was helping bring the truck home. I'd, I'd drive over the van and I'd help bring the truck home because I would leave the truck driver. But Kenneth was a front-end guy, so they decided, hey, let's keep Kenneth around because he could do more work. Because back then, you know, like, you know, not many people, so you have to utilize your people. Why well, come in? So I, so Alan was going to pay me 400 bucks, and I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, I can't do that for that. But we, him and I decided on that price. But I was making four hundred bucks a week back then. So what? Four, let's back up a second. What year was that? Uh, well, I, I started with Alan '88 part time, so probably like eighty, uh, probably ninety, ninety one, something like that. Gotcha. All right. Well, you know, yeah, hey, so, then you're making over twenty thousand a year. You're killing it, right? <laughs> I was killing it. I, I thought, hey, but but hey, but but hey, but back then you you were you were what you and Mike you could contest this, right? You you were wiping tires down. You were you were cleaning the truck. You were working on the car. You you you, you didn't care what you did. you just you did what you had to do. It wasn't about uh, the know? money. No, that's uh, right. Yeah. Peter, no, no. It, we all talk about that in today's world. Jeff and I talk about it on this show a little bit. It's amazing to me how much it, the sport and the people around it working in it it has turned into what they call a money making job. We did it. We grew up because it was our passion for motorsports. You know, right. you got to race, and heck, man, as long as I remember, I used to race with my brother Rusty, go on the road, and hell, as long as he got us a box of chocolate donuts and a and a case of Pepsi, <laughs> we were set. You know what I mean? We were, yeah, 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 we didn't need a lot, and uh, of course, we were living at home and didn't have a lot of expenses. But yeah, that's good. I mean, it's just uh, sometimes people have to understand why you're really in this business, and it's not just. Well, my- to make a dollar, it's because there's a passion for motorsports. Can I can I can I, can, can I tell you something where I paid my guys when I had my dirt or my asphalt car? Yeah, go right ahead. I had no money. I bought. I went to the package store and bought a. I bought a six. Pack, I bought a case of beer, a, yeah. mi, a case of Michelob, and I gave each guy a six pack of Michelob, and I had a uh, five by eight pitcher framed. I went to the drugstore. I had to go to the drugstore to do this. Okay, yeah. you know it took me six weeks because they had to develop it, and I took a picture of the car. And framed, and I gave. I, I wrapped it up, and I said, "Here, guys, this is the best I can do." I, but I paid. But I paid. I bought your license back then. It wasn't like twenty-five bucks to buy a license. I, I've always bought them a hamburger at the clubhouse. I bought them whatever they wanted. Okay, I, I put in my truck whatever to get up there. But I gave him a six-pack of beer and, and a in a five-by-eight picture of the car. I go. That that, that was your bonus. That so was that's your, pretty cool. You know, P- hey, Peter, are you hiring? <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. No insurance, though. Sorry. Oh, Jeff's, like, Jeff's like, wanting to do a road trip. I can see it in his eyes right yeah, now. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. But, but, guys, see, but see, that's that. But, but guys, that that's what raid racing one was. And, 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 and that's still out there right now, but it's hard right now because, yeah, you got guys now are making – some of these guys are making some serious jack, but the sport, yeah, it has changed. Yeah, I remember going to a local pizza shop. I can remember going to a local auto parts store begging – not begging, but saying, "Hey, man, you want to sponsor me? You know, can you help me? Can you can you give me at least give me a case of oil?" You know, back then you just you took what you could, but now, but you, you know, your motors now are sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Your chassis are, you know, everything is out of control. Not, I shouldn't say out of control. That's a bad way to say it. But everything is out of control. Out of control. Was a good oh, way. To say that's it. actually we had Richard Childress on a few weeks ago, and that's what he was saying. You, you have no idea how expensive it is. It's expensive. Yeah, you know, look at diesel fuel. I mean, the, the drive this truck. I mean, it, it cost us last year. Or last year, uh, two, was it? When, when were we? Or was I trying to think? What year? We went to we went to Searsport last year with the three. It was eighteen thousand or eighteen thousand dollars just to get for fuel. So you know, and Holy you got to pay crap. Me, yeah, yes. it was eighteen thousand for fuel. <laughs> well, so five, six, hold on. Gallon. All right, back up. So when you're filling the truck up, all right, time to time to gas it up. How much does it cost to fill up that truck? Uh, well, you, what time you fill the generator up, and each each tank is 120 or 125 gallons, so that's uh 250 gallons. Yeah, you you know, on an average, you're looking about 800 to a thousand dollars. 250. <laughs> I can God. tell you right now, I've been paying attention to fuel prices because I get this statement every month, you know, and I was on this discount deal that I, I lost, which was like 10. percent So it's 420 a gallon for diesel fuel on an average yeah. right now. That's a yeah. lot, a lot of jack. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's out of you know, and, you, and I hate to say it. You know, and and here, okay, and I here's here's the thing. I'm gonna go back a little bit. It's, Peter, kind of going to say, hold that thought. Uh, we'll come back uh, and we'll hold. talk some more politics yep. and gasoline prices. No, no with... politics. No, no politics. <laughs> Peter Jellin's no. on the line. We'll be back in just a second. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR <laughs> with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Longtime NASCAR garage hero, Peter Rabbit. Peter Jallen's on the line. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Peter, I got to address the uh, the almighty question with anybody that worked with Alan Quickie. And I might as well get to it right now because we're going to run out of time if we don't. You so, go for it. So you guys, uh, I remember you had that underdog or underbird team you took a little decal off thunderbird and made it underbird and it was really cool and paul andrews was crew chief you're over there truck driving i think tony gibson a few other guys and you win this championship you did everything that like the world there was no way they thought you could do you x number of races before you're wrecking cars tearing stuff up but you won the championship and it was an incredible feat and then the following year shows up Take us back in that time. Tell me from that from the championship, winning that championship in Atlanta, to March of the next year. Okay, I'm gonna go back just a few more months or like a year before that, real quick. Okay. Alan hired. Alan went to a lot of people, but Alan found the 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 right twelve to fifteen different people that were true racers. They were racers. They had their own cars, just like just. And I'm gonna say that I'm the one, but. You know the story you heard from me. The guys worked on stuff. They they sacrificed. They they did what they could. And Alan found those twelve or fifteen different people that were those guys. That but Alan realized they were they were they were in, in his corner because Alan realized, hey, they know what I went through. So the lead up to that, okay. 
91 was a good year, okay? Because nobody changed, nobody left. We, he, had his, he had his group. 92 come along. We didn't know what was going on. We you know, go to that tunnel, you know, what's our first thing I think of it going to that tunnel. Mike, and you've done it. Jeff, you've done it. We all want to, we're going to be a champion. We didn't know what was going on. Of course, all hell breaks out. We win races. We lost races. We crashed. We were two, what, 273 or two, whatever the heck it was. Um, he came in, in the trailer that day going, at Dover, we're done. Mm-hmm. We're, we're out. And, I, and I'm not saying I was the one. I'm, I'm just saying, hey, I know what I did. I know what, what part I put in it. Sandy was our scorer. That back then you had scores. You didn't have all this computer stuff. And I couldn't get out. The guys crossed. You know, remember, you had to cross the track on the front stretch. They didn't have to throw crossover. They went out. They went out the, the, the track. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm stuck here until time to go home. I said to bring the score sheet down, and I looked at going, we dropped one spot to Harry Gant by 30-something points. I'm thinking, God, we didn't, we're, we're not out of this. I, I, was, I was so fired up to get home. I get back to the shop, and I says, guys, check this out. I mean, we're not out of this. We're not out of this thing. Allen was dejected. He was deflated. He was done. Uh, he was like, okay, we're out of it. And I think that, uh, and I'm not saying I'm the one that did it, but I think the guys just saw, hey, there, there's a chance here. So we, and what, you know what? The best thing about our team was, guys, we didn't change a thing. We just kept digging. We just kept doing our thing. We didn't change nothing. We just, what well, it is what it is. And lo and behold, we just, kept, and, and Alan saw that. He saw, hey, these guys are not giving up. So Alan kind of got reflated, you know what I'm saying? And he kept just doing his thing. So we never changed, but we saw what Rusty did. We saw what uh, Bill Elliott did. We saw what the guys around us were doing. They were pretty much shooting themselves in the foot. I don't mean that in a bad way, but you could see they were making – we just kept sticking our guns. And we just never know what's going to happen. And Davey, we, we, Davey, that team back then, Robbie, you, you, you couldn't beat that. You know, they were, they were a powerhouse. And we just kept doing our thing. So to lead up what you're saying, we just never changed. And – we just let the chips fall the way, you know, that old saying, let the chips fall the way to do it. We did. And the chips fell in our way. And, and that, I guess I'm, a, I hope I'm explaining it right, but that's what happened. Yeah. It was a remarkable year winning the championship and you guys are on an incredible high, you know, this little team that's got a lot of great things going for starting to get some sponsorship, things like that. But, you know, as, and I hate to bring these up, but it's a part of real serious life in this particular deal. Then, you know, yes. as Quickie Racing's getting ready to do its fame thing, the, uh, you know, if you say it, the famed airplane crash happens. Right, okay. right. And, and, and that deal, okay, that whole deal, okay, that was, that's another, I don't like to say a magical thing, but a, a, a unique thing. Okay, that whole week, okay, we went to, we're supposed to go to Wilkesboro that Tuesday and test. Okay, and we, t- and of course, we go to Wilkesboro because it was close, it was cheap, it was whatever, now we liked it up there. Well, we get up there. And Alan pulled every shock spring. You know, back then we had bill things, so we pulled every shock. We had you know put every bench we could together. We get up there and had an oil line leak. He goes, I didn't make one lap. Oil line was leak. Or it was loose. It started leaking on the track. He never got mad. He goes out there. Him and the, him and another guy. They checked the whole track. They walked it. Alan was happy. We changed every shock, every spring. We changed. I, 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 we changed everything but the color. We get home. The next day, now, Alan was never at the shop at 9 o'clock in the morning, you know, before 9. My He's type of guy. Shop. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he, yeah. He was at the shop at he was, he was at the shop at 7 in the morning with his, with his little sweater vest on. He had his coffee. 
we had to car up on jack stands. We're all in the fab shop. I mean, all of us, we're, we're, we're cleaning it because they, they had that, that oil leak. So we're cleaning the car because that was the car that was supposed to go to Bristol. And he's in there and he's got it. He's, he's bang, we're banging elbows and we're, you know, he's in there. He's measuring, he's wiping, he's laughing. And we're all looking at each other like, who the hell is this guy? Where did this guy come from? You know, who, who's this? Who, who's this guy? And me and Tony and Alan would set the car up. We got the car done. We set it down. The guys did what he had to do to, you know, whatever adjustments he wanted, he fixed it, whatever. We put it on grain scales, no let. And I told this people, we have grain scales. You know, me and Tony would set, him set it up, and he put his briefcase by the door, by Paul's office door. He set that briefcase down, and that, that, was, that was his deal. And we're like, Alan, you got to go. No, no, I got I to do this. No, Alan, you got to go. No, no, I got to do this. Alan, get the frig out of here. You got to go. Well, finally, go, all right, guys, you wave his hook. You got to go. He grabs his briefcase, and off he goes. And that was the end of it. So uh, those guys, Paul, Tony, and Danny, were supposed to be in a plane with him to go to Knoxville. And we were, were doing pit stop practice. Well, I was the guy doing the pit stop practice. So the car that we raced at Bristol, I was pit stop practicing it, driving it, set the pit wall up, you know, take a for, uh, hand truck out. Not a forklift. We didn't have it. Take a hand truck out, put the, this makeshift wall, the pit box, and we did pit stop practice. And it was like, I don't know, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We loaded up everything. Of course, Alan's gone, and Paul and the guys get in the pickup truck. And now Tony's with me in the truck because Tony didn't like to fly. He didn't want to ride with me. Up the road we go, and I get almost to the Bristol exit, and I hear, "Hey, there's plane crash. Uh, you hear about this plane crash on the CB?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And I go, "What are you talking about? You know, talk, come back with that plane crash." So yeah, NASCAR uh, plane crash. And I'm thinking, and I hate to say it, Mike, I thought your brother. I thought it was because Rusty was really the first one that had an airplane. He really did. He was really one of the first ones that had an airplane. That I thought, and I know, I know, I know, Allison had one, but I'm thinking that, that is Rusty. I'm thinking I hope not. And then the hurt, the more I heard about it, I, they they start talking about Alan. So of course he didn't have cell phones. He didn't have all this other stuff. So we found it, you know, because now Tony's flipping out because he wants to call his wife because she thought he was going to be in that plane too. We find a pay phone. She call. He calls her. Gets her kind of okay. So I go, what do I do? So I, no, once again, I can't get a hold of Paul. He's, you know, whatever he's doing. And I go to the airport, uh, to the motel in Johnson City. And there's a cop sitting there at the motel. I'm thinking, uh-oh, this, now, now the things are starting to get more, more real. You know what I'm saying? So the cop's like, hey, I'm here to watch your truck and make sure no messes with it. I'm thinking, oh, what's going on here? The guy at the motel was saying, hey, we're, you know, everything's cool. So me and Tony in the room, and now CNN is on, and all the news is on, and you start to hear more and more and more. It was like four o'clock in the morning. We finally get the phone call, and it was Paul. He called the motel. He says we need to go to the racetrack. So I'm like, all right. So we should have just gone home, but we went to the racetrack because we didn't know what was going on. And we get there. Of course, back then, Mike, you remember how you used to sit on top of the hill before? It's, now it's all leveled out now, but it's you know you have to. It was, <laughs> It was really screwed up back in the day, how we used to park. So Buster Orton come up to me and said, hey, what do you want to do? I said, Buster, I don't want to be in there because we used to park the first truck down in turns three and four, not where they are now. And he said, well, you be the first truck in, do what you got to do, we'll park on the racetrack. And that's what I did. And we didn't know what was going on. The sun's starting to come up. You know, people are starting to come in. People are coming around. People are starting to hear more about what's going on. And we're still lost. And, of course, Jerry up there in Wisconsin, he didn't know what was going on. He's getting a phone call. He's trying to figure things out. And uh, so we parked the truck. We had to move the truck behind Pit Roll on Pit Road. 
and of course we go to we go to we go to a motel we where we're supposed to stay and jerry's calling and this and that and he did not want us to run which i totally understand and they wanted to put you know this guy in the car this guy in the car and i'm kind of like you know what i don't care if you put dale Earnhardt in that car or rusty in the car and i, I mean Ron, i'll be honest with you. i said i don't keep what rusty in the car because rusty was badass around there he, your brother was good around there i go i don't keep putting that car he go it's not fair to Allen. If something happens to that car, it's not, it, it's, Alan's gone. It's not fair to him. So we went back to the racetrack and we, Ford wanted us to race and, and NASCAR said, you do what you got to do. So I'm outside the NASCAR truck and I'm thinking, we well, got to make a decision here. <laughs> and Paul, Alan and Cal was in the trailer and they're trying to make a decision. And, and everybody's, everybody's head is just lost. So we all decided, Hey, let's get out of there. Let's just, let's, let's go home. Cause we got people back at the shop, you know, we don't have a lot of people, but we still got people. So that's when NASCAR stopped practice. I made the lap. They asked me to make a backwards lap. And I says, no, we're not going to, I know that's Alan's deal. That's his trademark. I'm not going to do it. So I did a couple laps in, in, uh, Alan, uh, honor of Alan. I pulled out of there and I, guys, I'm telling you what, I, I thought for sure I'll never see a racetrack again. I thought I was done. I said, well, I guess this is the end of my racing career. Just cause when Alan hired me, I says, Alan, I hate to say it, bud, but one of us is not going to be here doing this again. And I didn't mean it in a mean way or a just uh, deceased way. I just figured one of us is going to you know, move on and do something different. But I'm like, never thought it'd be him, you know. So, right. so that's that's kind of how that happened, you know. So, um, yeah, it was t- it was tough. It was really tough. And then it, it was tougher after that because he was our leader. He was our owner, leader, our friend, our driver. We we had no direction. We you know we had direction, but we had so many different people. But it was Jerry. Jerry was the one, you know, Alan's dad that said, Hey man, I don't want you racing that car. And I respect Jerry for that. And I think everybody else has too, because Jerry didn't know, Jerry, you know, Jerry was a, he was a motor guy. He didn't know anything about the marketing and the, the bills and all that. And, and that's how Felix and all that got involved, you know, Kyle and all that, and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of one thing led to another. So I hope that answers your question, but that's, that's yeah. kind of how that went down. Well, that was, you guys are all, there's a certain group of you that were, you know, working for that team at that time. And it's a, I think it's a, a pivotal, monumental time in our sport. I think it's, uh, it, is it as exciting as winning the championship? No, but what happened is you won a championship and then you came off and couldn't defend it. And, it, you know, it happened. That's when, um, you know, everybody was starting to fly everywhere. All those things happened. I mean, I remember being in Johnson City, Tennessee at a Holiday Inn and my brother and Bill Brooks come up to me and says, have you heard what's happened? And it's like, I couldn't believe it because... Paul Andrews and my wife and I and Evelyn are all good friends. Paul was in our wedding, and it's like, I think Paul's on the airplane. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, and it was just – it was a challenging time for everybody. But I'm proud you all recovered from that, and uh, you moved on. So, because we're going to run out of time again, but we're going to take us from Paul – or from uh, Alan Quickie. Uh, yeah. The Allen Quickie Racing Program. Let's just say once it runs for another year or two, it's it's over with. Where does Peter Rabbit go to? And where did Rabbit come from? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. everybody asked me that. Well, I got, I got a local friend, our friend, a family friend. He passed away, but he always called me Peter Cottontail, and and it was always Cottontail, Cottontail, Cottontail. And then when I went to the milk company, um, the dispatcher went to me one day and says, Hey, Peter Rabbit, this is your next run. And all the truck drivers heard Peter Rabbit and it kind of stuck after that. So that's how Peter Rabbit came. But it happened, but it happened after all that, when all that other stuff went down, it was, um, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it, there's so many different, different avenues. And 
to, to come here after after uh, Allen's deal. I wanted to stay, wanted to stay. Jeff, what I bought the team, love Jeff. Jeff's a great guy, he really. Is. I know a lot of people have different just about Jeff. Jeff is a smart, great guy, great race car driver. But it wasn't the same, you know. The nucleus was gone, you know. And and I'm like, oh man, I got to do something different. You know, Tony left, Danny left, you know, things change. And long story short, um, Jimmy Acar and uh, Joe Gibbs was looking for a truck driver. And I'm like, you know what? So he called me one day. And he goes, Peter Rabbit, I want to talk to you. I'm like, all right. So I talked to him. And I went to talk to Joe. I got to talk to Bobby. Then I got to talk to Jimmy. All I like in one day, I like to talk to, I never, this is the best interview I ever had. I got to talk to three different people, you know, and the three key people of a race team, you know, at one time, privately. And I, I went back to my wife goes, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to work for Joe Gibbs, you know? Yeah. So and I started like, you know, a week after that. And I was at Joe Gibbs for 22 years. Um, loved every minute of it. One, you know, between Bobby and then Tony come along. And, you know, one we won races, we won championships. Uh, Joe, JD, uh, Coy, I mean, I know there's a lot going on there, but those, those it's a great group of people. Uh, I learned a lot. Things change. You know, crew chiefs come and go. Um, think scenarios change. They move you around. You know, there's, it's just people change. I got to go to the motor shop. Um, Hold that uh, thought right there on the motor shop. Yeah, let's take a time out and come back. We'll talk about the glory days of Joe Gibbs, and then you can bring us up to speed with what's happening in uh, current day in your life. We're talking to Peter Jell and Peter Rabbit. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speedsport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kett. Peter Jellin's on the line. He uh, drove the hauler for Joe Gibbs Racing. He's working for Kyle Busch Motorsports these days. I think we were in the Gibbs days when we left. Mike, yes. take it away. Well, we talked about, you know, back in the back segment, we talked about Alan Quickie. Then he goes to Joe Gibbs Racing. He gets the approval from everybody, driver, crew chief, owner, and uh, sticks around there for 20-something years and wins championships, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, very, very blessed. Won a champ, you know. Of course, I won a championship with Allen, and of course, then Bobby wins a championship, and then uh, you know things change. You know, the team grows, and you know people move around, and hey, we're gonna put you over here, we're gonna put you over there, and uh, so they, they put me in motor shop for a little bit, and I ended up going to the K and N shop. Uh, won a won a championship, uh, K and N championship with Max Gresham, and then uh, you know that that was pretty cool. You know, just so I've been very, very blessed. Won truck championships, meaning. Meaning uh, a truck, tr truck, truck, tr uh, tractor trailer championships, won races. Uh, I, I can honestly say I've won 63. Uh, uh, I've been to victory lane 63 times in my career. So that's, that's pretty impressive. So uh, that, that, pretty that, happy over that. That's what you call Jeff Kent rubbing it in. Right? Hey, yeah. back up. Back I, I, up. Am, I am rubbing it in. Back up, it so in. to speak, just for a second. Yeah, when yeah. you said you won a, a, a transporter. Uh, 18-wheeler championship or whatever. That's They used to do a competition with all the drivers, yep. right? Skills competition. Yes, yep. And yep. you won so, that, yep. right? Yeah, I won, actually, well, I don't want to brag, but I won it twice. Go yes. ahead. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you're yeah. not once, but twice. You're do the they, guest. Yeah. It's all about do you. They, do they still do that? No, they've kind of, you know, that stuff, you know, because they know the sponsorships, they, they, they've kind of backed off on that stuff. But no, I can say I'm, I am i don't want to say I'm reigning champ, but I guess I'm, I've got some pretty good. So, you know, it's all been good. You know, I can say that this, this, hey, this whole been, this whole life in this industry I've been in has been very good to me. My family, I, I couldn't ask for any more. I mean, yeah, you, you want more? Sure I do. But I've been very blessed with NASCAR has been very good to my family, myself, you know, Joe Gibbs, Kyle Busch, uh, like I say, going from Joe Gibbs to Kyle Busch to, you know, I, I won I won a truck championship with Brett Moffitt, you know. So uh, 
So four four NASCAR championships. That's that's pretty impressive. And I'm not bragging, but I mean, the sport's oh, yeah. been very good now. It's okay to I'm brag. Bragging. You can brag as much as you want. It's all about you, man. If you don't toot your own horn, who will, right? Yeah, but but the thing, but but I'm very, you know, NASCAR. You know, people say about what, but NASCAR is it's a great industry. Dude, I could tell you, I got a list of people I've met. I met so many famous people. I got to meet you guys. That that is really special, right? That ranks up high. It has to. It has to. Yeah, I mean, you know, think but, about that. Meeting us, Jeff Kent's neighbor. I mean, come on, what right. gets better than that? Yeah, he knows all the secrets. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess. I guess. I, well, he left. I didn't. So what's that tell you? So, no, no. But you know what I'm saying. So, it's, but race. But racing such a cool sport. You know, I don't care if it's motorcycle, HO cars, you know, snowmobiles. It's it's a competition. And what do we do in life? We we compete. We all compete. You know. We all do that. We all compete in life. So yeah, and my all, my, my lawn was always nicer than yours. I'm just saying. Well, it still is. I'm, it, it still is. Well, I don't have llamas eat mine like yours llamas, does. So Eric, that's it. I thought it was well, emus. It's llamas, alpacas. Yeah. Whatever they call those things. So. They did. They yeah, blew up. Lawn. They blew up my whole yard and replanted, probably with some sort of special kind of grass or something. It looks like tall fescue to me, but right. I, I don't know. When I drive by, I just shake my head. What? It's- yeah, well, I, don't have to, I don't have to mow it down. <laughs> yeah. No. That no. was part of the reason we sold that place. I think it was a it was a hot, humid day in August, and I'm out there on the tractor, you know, for two hours or whatever, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I could be yeah. laying at the pool on the golf course, right? <laughs> yeah. so we're going to downsize. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as as we know, Peter, jobs change in the uh, NASCAR world, whether you're expecting them, not expecting them, you know. And as Jeff and I have learned, and we talked from day one of the show, 65, 66 shows ago, well, you know, it's just business, guys. Don't take it personal. That's right. So after yeah. the Joe Gibbs thing, let's just give me a fast forward to Kyle Busch. So some of the race teams you've worked for since, you know, we know Alan Quickie, Joe Gibbs. Brett Moffat's team. Have you have you worked for anybody else, or everybody seems to no, work? No, to be honest with you, I, I've done this for thirty five years, guys, and I've worked on four race teams. It was Joe, Alan uh, Kowicki, uh, Joe Gibbs. Well, of course, Brian comes along the way, so that that I consider that still Alan Kowicki's deal. Yeah. Uh, Joe Gibbs, uh, Shiggy Hattori with Brett Moffat, and now with um, uh, Kyle Busch. Oh, so I, I can honestly say, in thirty five years, I've been on four teams. Now, now through the Motor Shop deal. I've been on a lot of other teams, tuning motors, you know, doing stuff like that. Mark put me on different teams, but to be actually physically paid and be part of a team mm-hmm. that I'm like, I've been on four teams in 35 years. And I, 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 I kind of find, I, I actually, I'm kind of honored by that because that's, that's rare. That's rare sure. to be on, you know, but you know, I, I've been very blessed. Like I say, I've been on good teams. I've worked a lot of good teams. I worked a lot of crew chiefs, a lot of car chiefs, motor guys. You know, I've learned a lot. You know, I've, I've worked with some great drivers. Um, I've learned a lot, man. And, and you know what? People are like, why are you still driving a truck? You know, I, st- I, I don't like driving a truck. I, I enjoy it. I really do. You know, there's times I want to say I, I hate doing this, but but I, I, I like what I do. The industry has been good to me. Uh, but to be on it, on, be here doing this business for 35 years and being on basically getting paid or being full time employed by only four different teams in, in 35 years. I'm pretty honored with that because those guys, 
have been good to me, but I feel I've been good to them. That's why I've been there so long. Yeah, well, congratulations there. Tell us just a little bit about, we talked so much about you as a truck driver and an organizer within the, the team, but tell us about that motor tuning you did for a while. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember seeing you around the Xfinity garage area and Nationwide Garage area, and you were literally tuning motors for, I believe it was for Joe Gibbs for rental programs or something. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was, that was a crazy deal. Uh, long story short, that deal was, it was a Friday afternoon, and Mark says, hey, I want to see you in my office. And Mark Conquest says, I want to see you in my office. I'm like, okay. He goes, I want you to be a motor tuner. And I'm granted, this is two weeks before Daytona. And I'm like, Mark, I'm not a motor tuner. But I, I assisted all the I, I've assisted Mark and, and, and Jason Line and Mark, Mark Kurt Butterfield and all these other guys. I, I I I worked all these guys, but I was their assistant. And Mark says, I need a tuner. I, I go I go, Mark, but I'm not a motor guy. He says, But you you know more about what's going on than I do. You change more valve springs, more spark plugs, more carburetors, more intakes. You got more knowledge than I got. I go, Mark, but I'm not a motor tuner. That's kind of like me being a, a brain surgeon assistant and handing the doctor the tools before the doctor asks for them. So you go ahead and do this pass- one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Then the, right. Then the doctor passes out. Right. And the doctor passes out, and they're like, hey, dude, you got to get in and do it. I'm like, so Joe come up to you that same afternoon. He goes, hey, I want you to be in the motor shop Monday morning. Talk to your wife about it. I'll see you then. Well, what are you going to say? No. So Monday morning, I was in about two weeks before Daytona. I'm writing these notes down. I'm on this trash uh the motor dyno, I'm, I'm, you know, I knew what to do, but I was. He says I got guys there that will back you. Well, I was on Joey's car, Joey Logano's car, and I'll tell you what. Joey come up to me, he goes, "Hey, you my truck driver?" I'm like, "No, Joey, I'm your, I'm your motor tuner." And Joey and I respect Joey for this. He goes, "Really?" He goes, "That is so cool." He goes, "Congratulations!" And well, I, I back it. And when he said that to me, when Joey backed me on that, you know, it wasn't like, "Oh, you're just a truck driver." He goes, "You're my motor guy. That's cool." Well, we almost won that race. That's when Kurt Busch and, and Joey and a bunch of guys it was like a late caution. They come off a four. They all they all they all wrecked. But Joey almost won that race. I'm thinking, wow, I was gonna I was gonna win first race, you know. So, but we went to Darlington and Joey won that race and he was my driver as my first tuner. So, yeah. So Mark put me in the motor shop and and I, I you know what I enjoyed that. I delivered motors to different shops. I picked up motors because we leased stuff out. I was going to NASCAR, and that would, that really opened a lot of doors for me to get to meet a lot of these guys, to get out there and see what's going on. Um, so yeah, I owe the motor shop a lot, and I owe Joe and Mark a lot for that too. Um, so yeah, the motor that motor shop, I, I did, I enjoyed the motor shop, and I still I'm still a motor guy, you know, but I'm still a truck driver. But I like being all, all around guy, you know. Yeah. I just like that. <clears throat> I like to learn. I want to learn. So. T- so moving forward, you're you're over at KBM Kyle Busch Motorsports now, and yep. uh, which is really the storylines. And I don't know the story, so that's what I'm trying to find out. It's kind of unique. Paul Andrews is over there in the shop, the general shop foreman or general manager of the shop, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, how history yeah. repeats itself. They start out at Alan yeah. Quickie together, right? Years ago, yeah, and thirty some years ago, yeah. later, they're they're working together again. Is everything uh, comes full circle? You ever think about something like that? You ever think that's unique, or you just just kind of goes with a grain of salt? No, 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 guys. Let me tell you what. That's why you never burn any bridges because you never know who you're going to work with again. You you do the best you can. You you be you know. Granted, everybody's different. No, is is it unique? Yeah, it's unique. But I, I it doesn't surprise me. Um, I'm kind. Of, I'm actually. It, it it makes it makes my job easier because I've worked. I know what the. I know how he is. You know. I know everything about him for for the most part. Um, but no, I have no problem with that. But uh, 
No, you, that's why you never burn any bridges, man. You, 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 especially in this, but you know, someone told me a long time ago, the garage area is small, you know, it's a small area. So you just got to take care of what you can. And, and I, I'm, I'm honored to work for Paul. He, he's been good to me. I got, I've always, he's always been good to me and I, I do what I can for him. And yeah, it is unique. It's, it's different. Um, it's kind of, I won't say funny, but it, it is funny to think about it. But yeah. it's just cool how him and I have been in this business. You know, we st- we still go all the Allen functions with Tom and you know the, the boys. You know, we 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 we're we're still friends. You know, we never burn any bridges to not be friends. You know what I'm saying? So even if we weren't racing, we still should be friends. I mean, is that isn't that how that works? Well, that's how it's supposed to be. They they claim that's what it is when you divorce a wife too. You're supposed ah. to still be friends, but yeah, not, so <laughs> not so much. Not so much. Haven't been through well, that yet, so I'm not worried about you it. You said but. yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, be careful. Careful yeah. what you wish for, boys. Yeah. 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 So, no, but no, it's cool. And and and, and being with and and the answer your question, being here with with Kyle, when they let me go, because things change at the racing. I got let go from our tours because they started a second team, okay? And I said, well, because they bring their people. You know, everybody brings their people in, brings their – you know how that works. Everybody brings their people in. It's just business. Call, <laughs> it's not personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I called, and I called Kyle one day, and I said – because I know Kyle when he first started. I go, Kyle, I, hey, if, if you hear anything, I'm available. Well, go back to some of these racetracks. Kyle says, hey, I have nothing right now. He says, but I need somebody for my late model team. And that's a whole other story. I did his whole late model team for a year, and I'll tell you what, I enjoyed it. It was fun. And that, that might, you know remember? what? That's right. You did because I even borrowed a yeah. distributor from you. I, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I was racing with Matt, yeah. and uh, yep. Need, yep, needed a part. And knew Peter was there, and is like, well, if, that, if I know anybody I could borrow from, it might be him. about that. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Wow. So, 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 so I owe a lot to uh, Alan for that. You know, and to go back to these different, not just Stafford and Riverside, but to go to Winchester, to go to to Saugus, to go to that song is, uh, what do you call it, Slinger, to all these other tracks. I mean, I would never get to do that without being this, what Kyle doing this late model deal with Sammy and all that. And so, yeah, so this industry has, has brought me to so many different things, to meet so many different people, to be around so many different cool things. I mean, and to be where I'm at right now, uh, you know, I'm saying, should I say I'm content? Yeah, you always want more, but you know what? I'm content because at, at my age and, the structure is good. Kyle's taking care of me. You know how it is. So it, it's, it, it, you're right. It's like Jeff said, Evan goes full circle. Well, Evan goes full circle. We were talking the other day. Somebody said, uh, what do you call it when you when when life's good? I said, you call that content. Yeah. As long as you're content, right. you don't have to, you know, you kind of wear yourself out by trying to set new goals and accomplish Some people are bored with content. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. I mean, when, when, you, content guy. when you made it good, right, you, yeah. you made your I'm life ha- good. I'm happy with content. my career. Yeah. My career is over. My podcasting career has just taken off, though. Uh, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're blossoming in this category. Hey, next question, Peter. You still got the cool classic car? Absolutely. Still got that 70 Cougar still sitting in the oh, shop. Nice. Yes, sir. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. 1970 yeah. Mercury Cougar. Yeah. Mercury Cougar. Yes, we threw in Cleveland. Yeah, C6 automatic. Yes, sir. Still I there, saw buddy. that you drove it in the Harrisburg 4th of July parade. Is that true? Absolutely. Yes, sir. My daughter was with me. Yeah, and she was yeah. in the front seat. Yep. That's yeah, cool, man. Actually, I, I still got it. Yeah. We bought that. We bought that in 92. So you, you do the math. You do the math. Do so. the math. There you go. Yeah. Well, that'd be 30 yeah. years yeah. ago, right? We got uh, yeah. some, yeah, a couple days. 31. A couple days ago, yeah. Yeah. yeah 30, uh, 31. Oh my we God. need. We wow. need to get. Yeah. To, we need to get together and crash my old pool. 
<laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there you go. The the new people that live there, they look out that big beautiful window and they're hey, we're just having a reunion. Come out on here. over. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they're they're hey, they're cool. They're cool. They 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 they're wave they wave and they're, they're yeah, they're yeah, they don't do taco night, but they're cool. They're cool. Yeah. So, Tonight's taco yeah. night, by the way. Yeah. Well, Peter, I <laughs> just right. want to tell you, you know, we can talk forever, but we can't take keep you from your job over here at Kyle Busch Motorsports. We want to thank you so much for coming on, sharing your stories about how you got started in racing, the Alan Quickie story, the whole Joe Gibbs thing, and now over at KBM winning races. So you guys continue to win those races. Have fun. Love the family for me. Tell Brian, Patty, and Paul Andrews. We talked. They both have been on our show, so you're uh, you're part of the uh, the famous fast car NASCAR. And Peter, when you when you go to Texas in a couple of weeks, bring me back some of that killer barbecue. Oh, deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go to Hard Eight. We're going to go to Hard Eight. All right. All right. Yeah, Peter All Rabbit. Right, cool. Peter Jellen, you've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.